0: A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. <laughs> can you feel the tension in the air right now? I know I
1: can. I can feel it all the way down in my plum. Welcome back to the Bass Report, ladies and gentlemen. That's Joel Eat over there. Ryan Cook. Ryan Cook, right
2: here. Ryan Cook's right there. It's been a minute. Yeah, I know. He had to get can all we- had to get all sick on us.
1: Oh, freaking COVID reared its ugly ass head. Yeah, God, I missed I missed almost two full weeks. I was supposed to take Joey Price out. Woke up at one thirty in the morning with some real bad cold sweats and some other things we don't need to talk about,
2: and that was all history. There she, all she wrote. And it was right after we did our last one when I mean, you talked about being stoked to take Joey out, and then yeah. That's but what's
1: nice. funny w- when we were talking to Juan, I can rem- even remember talking to Juan that night and I just felt like overly tired. Something wasn't right. You know, it was too early to be feeling like that. But anyway, hey, let's focus on the positive. We're back. The bite is good. Weather's staying cold. The bite staying hot. Life is good.
2: Yeah, man. Um, you've been doing well. A lot of guys out there fishing all over the place doing well. It's that time of year when the thing's kind of settled down and Fish are getting into that win- that winter that winter feed, um, but yeah. If you guys missed it for the 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 Patreoners out there, um, we did one two three days ago. Well, it was Tuesday night, so it was two days ago. Um, with John Donnelly, Leo Serrano. You want to check that out if you haven't seen it yet. Um, on the Patreon, if you are a Patreon, it's on there. Uh, we had fun. Talked about bank fishing, throwing big baits, barryessa, some other stuff. So we had a good time. It was like totally last minute, but we had fun. And we've been trying to get the guest we have we have on tonight um, set up for the last two weeks, but like Ryan just said, he was sick, and then we did try to get him, things didn't work out, and so he stuck with us, and we got Colby Pearson on tonight, so.
1: I'm excited to talk to him. Stoked.
2: Stoked, yeah. Um, Brian Cook, you want to talk about the mother load? There.
1: Yeah, like so I've been on the water oh well, I was on the water Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Didn't was not out today. Um it, it, the bite has been fun the last three days. And I mean I, I I get all the reports, you know, I talk to everybody that's out there on the days I'm not out there and um the bite's good. I mean it's this is my favorite time of year. If you if you go out right now and you struggle to catch fish I mean you're you're definitely doing something way wrong because the bite is, the, the bite is easy right now. Um, we're catching there's a lot of fish shallow, there's a lot of fish out in that 30 40 range, Don Pedro, they're super scattered at Pedro. I mean you got fish on the bank. Good shallow jig bite. Um, spoon bite still going on. They're still out chasing bait around. Um, the spoon bite hasn't got like fantastic this year we've had some good flurries but yeah um it's it's just the the main thing i can't stress this time of year and i i feel like i just it, i'm repeating myself and repeating myself and i am but some of you are new to this and haven't heard some of our older podcasts but if if you're struggling to get bit this time of year you just need to slow down i mean if i've got i've been taking people out and i hate to talk numbers i really hate to talk numbers cuz i don't want those expectations and every day is different but um my last three trips, I've had people out that don't have a lot of experience um, teaching them to fish a jig. They haven't done much of it. And the last three days, I've had people that have a lot of patience that can slow down. And they're, they're catching between two people. They're catching anywhere between 30 and 50 fish a day right now, mm-hmm. like pretty easily. If, if you're a good fisherman, you know what you're doing, you're fishing right, you should be able to catch between two guys, you should be able to catch fifty fish a day right now, um, and that's that's just God's honest truth. Um, if you're not catching that many, you're probably in the wrong area. Because, but this is not like location specific stuff. I mean, this is a pattern we're running all over the lake. You're either in the wrong area, or most likely you're fishing your bait too fast. So, if I've got a guy that comes out that doesn't have patience, that can't slow that can't slow his bait down, that wants to start shaking it, hopping, it, he won't drag it dead stick it drag it dead stick it that guy's only going to catch five a day right now Mm -hmm. so just slow it down man the bite's good um we're still catching a few fish on a spinner bait first thing in the morning um little bit when that wind kicks up later although we haven't really had any wind it's been cold out there man we haven't had any wind Mm -hmm. um but we've had fog all day the sun hasn't lifted the last the last four or five days i've been on the water the sun hasn't the fog has not lifted. The sun hasn't come out. I'm sorry. I still got COVID brain, I call it, where my <clears throat> thoughts and my words aren't coming out correctly. But, um, yeah, uh, other than that, I mean, if you're a finesse fisherman, you want to go out and do the light line stuff, you can really catch a bunch of fish right now. Like, I mean, you should be able to catch a whole bunch. And this is all three of our lakes. I'm not talking any one um, particular. Well, But once you find that depth they're at stay there um stay slow and it's go have some freaking fun and if you're struggling you want to learn how to do this and maximize your days on the water in the cold months just book a trip let me go out and show you one day spend one day on the water it'll change your fishing game i can promise
2: you that Does that it's a guarantee he's like the, he's like the men's, it's like the men's warehouse house guy <laughs> you're
1: Joel? gonna love the way you fish <laughs> I guarantee
2: it. I Guarantee it. All right, George Zimmer. We got Ryan Zimmer here. Isn't that his name, George Zimmer?
1: I don't know the guy with the curly hair and the yeah, beard. Yeah, dude. I can picture him.
2: Of course. Didn't that guy get it, like big into like the marijuana scene or something? I have no idea. That was an interesting story with that guy. I gotta find. Gotta look that up. Um, we watched. We, we I
1: watched American Pie earlier for the first time in fifteen years with my son. Yeah? He's sick as a dog, so we watched him. <laughs> God, I forgot how much I love that movie. Had he ever seen it? <laughs> no, this was the first oh, time. Man. He just turned 18. He was lo- oh, he was loving it. I, l- I love the dad. Yeah. It's a it's a normal, natural. <laughs> it's like hitting a tennis ball against a brick wall. It can be fun. It can be fun, but it's not a match. You need a partner to have a game. Do you want a partner? I want a partner. Good. You want a partner? Okay. <laughs>
2: Ah, big thanks to Phoenix Rods. Speaking of Phoenix Rods, we're going to be giving one of those away this month. Uh, on top of some great stuff from uh, Joe over at Dark Cloud <coughs> Customs, got a pretty sick waiver, um, six-cent deep diver, a bunch of stuff from Spearpoint Hooks. Um, so yeah, we're going to be giving a bunch of stuff away this month. It is the season of giving. So um, yeah, all you guys that uh, help us out every month, we got some cool stuff coming your way. Ho, ho, ho. County bait and tackle Stage stop gun shop If you're looking for yeah, guns, a, you're looking for tackle Yeah Spear point hooks Keeping them pinned Get the pliers Keeping them pinned <clears throat> What else
1: I wanna I didn't think about this But a very Merry Christmas To everybody out there By the time you're listening To this podcast It's what Christmas Eve For most of you probably yeah, I don't know when it's coming out, Joel. Tomorrow?
2: Hopefully, I'll get it out tonight, but it may be tomorrow. Um, if if I, I've got tomorrow off, Friday, so I kind of want to go fishing. So I might, as soon as we're done with this, I might, I might hit the sack and yeah. make a run tomorrow. Maybe I'll come find you. Who knows? There you go. Um, um yeah. Well, Merry Christmas to
1: everybody out there, because we're not going to talk to you guys till after Christmas. So. Mm-hmm. Merry you Christmas! Enjoy your time with your family and get every, all the presents you wanted, and everybody's family behaves, and your uncles don't act up and get too drunk. All that good stuff.
2: <laughs> I'm that uncle. Me and my brother <laughs> go back and forth. Me and my brother go back and forth on who's the uncle, who's that uncle. <laughs> We're that uncle to each other's kids. <clears throat> but um, nah, it'll
1: be cool. Oh I do I, I got one I got one more thing Joel really fast I'm not even gonna say Really quick Really fast Um, I am officially today I, I've I've teamed up I've teamed up With Dry Creek I'm gonna be working With them And they're gonna be Helping me out And I'm gonna be Helping them out And um, Cool to have a partner whose tubes And double tails Grubs I've been throwing For a long time Religiously anyway So mm-hmm.
2: That's cool I was just talking we, To those guys on, on the gram The other day yeah, good.
1: The guy that runs all their social media, he's he's buddied up with Justin Zeller and stuff. And then Justin had mentioned something to me about it, and then I got a hold of him. And yeah, he seems like a really cool guy. But um, we will have a we'll we'll have a um, um what's it called uh, a discount code for you guys soon. If you want to order Dry Creek products, um, you can do whatever my code's going to be. They'll set it all up right. RC one five or whatever. And they'll give you like free shipping on $50 or more. And I think 10 or 15% off. So yeah, Just something cool out there.
2: They're good. They're good tubes. Yeah. They're
1: solid. They're really solid. Mm-hmm. Their double tail grubs are awesome. Cause they're, they've got, I don't want to mention other brand names, but they've got really good action like these other companies, but um, they're a lot tougher. They're they really are. durable. Yeah. So yeah.
2: And you get a bunch in a pack. I feel yeah, like you get like 25. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Hey, you're
1: you're the one that turned me on to, the double, to their double-tail grubs, yeah. Joel.
2: Yeah, I started buying them. Yeah, okay, those. I just remembered that. Because you were using, like you said, you were using another brand, and I was using mm-hmm. those. And then at, at Coyote, they they carry the double-tails over there. And I was yeah. already using their tubes, so I figured what the heck. So I grabbed the double-tails, and yeah, they were great.
1: Yeah, I've, I've, been, I've been real happy with
2: them. <laughs> right arm. Oh, so, yeah.
1: It's all you. Sorry. I keep... Right arm.
2: I, I, it's not all me. Too chatty. It's all me. I got to... I gotta let uh, Colby know that we are ready for him. I think, yeah, no, I think in uh, if for the new year we could try might try to do a little different format on some things. Me and Ryan were talking; I haven't come to any kind of agreement on that yet, but um, just to kind of mix things up, keep you on your toes. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah, nah, <laughs> I
1: mean, you got to mean,
2: you got to mean, but um, yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, trying to keep keep it rolling here. Work's super busy for me now. So, um, yeah, just herding all the cats. But, cat, but herding, you're happy herding all the yeah. No, it's way better. But um, way better than that, than previous. So yeah, no, it's great. It's just a matter of uh, now finding time to do this thing, which I started during COVID when there was all kinds of time, and there just doesn't seem to be that much time left anymore. Yeah.
1: Come say hi to Joel. Just, hi, just, just say, say hello, Joel, you. and all the listeners out there. Merry Christmas. Is that exactly what you want me just to say? say? It just like that. Just yes. like that. Exactly. Could you write me out the script? <laughs> hi, Joel. Hi, Diana. Hi, all the listeners out there Merry Christmas. Good
2: job. Merry I, Christmas, I, Diana. I right
1: off the top of my head. He said, Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas everyone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Joey says Merry Christmas too.
2: Merry Christmas, buddy.
1: Merry Christmas, buddy. He said.
2: oh So yeah. He's buy, a great kid. Go buy cool guns at Stage Stop.
1: I caught him snooping in the room earlier trying to look at presents, though.
2: Yeah. Well, my kids... I brought
1: stuff way. home, and I'm like, don't look at this. It's under my jacket. And it's my, my wife, man. And I can't... I, outside, and He ran out of the room.
2: I, I've given up on trying to surprise my wife at, at all because it never works. <laughs> I'm just actually... Not, I'm either not good at hiding things or... I don't know. She's nosy. She gets into stuff. Is she really? She gets into <laughs> stuff, man. Just, just buy her diamonds. Buy her diamonds. Like done that. It gets expensive after a while, bud.
1: Puts out. Ron White does a skit. He's all. He's all. Let's be honest. He goes. Let's come up with a slogan that's just honest. Diamonds.
2: That'll shut her up. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I've heard that one. Uh, There he is, Kobe Pearson. Speaking of diamonds. What's going on? (laughs) Speaking of diamonds.
1: diamond in the rough over here
2: colby thank you so over much there. for joining us buddy yeah what's up guys it's been Not a long much, time man. it's been a long time coming uh my friend i apologize for the back and forth um ryan's over was, here was my fault getting sick um rescheduling stuff so but we made it happen Thanks for sticking with us. Yeah,
0: no uh, no big deal, man. Uh, pretty pretty available, so I appreciate uh, the opportunity to come on and talk some fishing.
1: Definitely, man. We're excited to talk some fishing. We're excited to talk some
2: smallmouth fishing.
1: All right, I know. Oh,
2: yeah, cool. Well, before we get too far along, uh, Colby, can you give us a quick rundown on your deal? Where are you from? Where you fish? How you kind of got started into it? And you are a Wild West... And are you doing the Apex as well? Yep, yep. Doing the Apex Pro Tour also. Wild West and Apex. So kind of give us the the quick and the dirty of the Colby Pearson story and, and to where you are today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as you guys know, obviously Colby Pearson. Um, live in southern Oregon and have pretty much my whole life. Uh, started bass fishing when I was about – Four or five years old, um, family members had a, a little pond. I could go out and catch some bass and started to kind of notice the order of operations in the pond and uh, quickly realized I wasn't so fascinated with the bluegill scene and wanted to catch the bass because they were kind of like top dogs in that environment. So got into catching those and uh, remember watching like the 2003 Bassmasters Classic when uh, Ike and Ellie was just losing his freaking mind and uh that kind of hooked me thought Never to myself you know yeah i was about 10 years old and uh thought to myself you know there might be a ability to pursue this for a little bit of money maybe do it as a career so that took off started fishing competitively when i was about 10 years old um met uh, one of my best buddies and his dad uh Brett Hansen introduced me to club tournament fishing and uh Luckily, got uh, opportunities to fish with some guys that were in the bass club, so forever indebted to them for exposing me to that at a really young age. I mean, most people don't start competing until they're probably late teens or 20s, and I got a 10-year jump on that, which was great. Uh, Continued to fishing in high school. I was the only person on the Crater High School bass fishing team. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it was pretty cool, though, because I got to fish with a kid from another school. Uh, My best buddy, Jacob Wall, who just qualified for the BPT this year, me and him actually fished together in high school. Oh, wow. And uh, just one year, my junior to senior year is the only year that I was able to compete. And uh, we won state and regionals and then went off to fish nationals where we got second. So that was pretty cool. Um, You know, that was 2012. A West Coast team got second at nationals for high school fishing. It's pretty sweet.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then, um, you know, I graduated, I had to start working right away, so I worked really hard, um, competed a little bit, but I really wanted to throw myself into, into work and get some financial stability to get a boat and, and start really kind of taking fishing a little bit more serious. So, uh, got pretty developed in the, in the work life and, and found success doing that and uh, started fishing out West as a professional in 2018 and uh, started doing that in the 2000, or no, 1997, Beater 185. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if, you, if you're out there listening in a little old beater boat or whatever, um, just jump in and go make it happen. And uh, it's been a steady climb since then. I uh, did good the first couple of years and got my first uh, top 10. I was leading a pro-am going into the final day on the Columbia River in 2020 and uh i tasted blood man it's been uh three sheets to the wind since then put on the gas and hammer down and then uh this uh started to qualify for the apex pro tour which uh kind of launched in 2021 and then uh fish that whole circuit for the last two years and got fifth in points this year which is awesome and fishing the pro got i think four top 10s this last year between the pro and apex and do a little bass nation stuff trying to see where that can go and that's it man It's just a fishing junkie
1: that's solid sounds like how, it. how old are you colby i'm 28 years old oh you're just a young pup still yeah you got you got you got you got this bass fishing stuff by the balls bud
0: yeah i'm trying to but then i see guys like luke john's freaking kicking my butt and i think i gotta <laughs> step it up a little bit <laughs> but um yeah man it's been uh, I'm lucky I found a passion when I was young, dude. Because it's all I've ever done in my whole life and all
2: I ever want to do. So, I love that. That's awesome, man. Luke John Luke Johns is a nice guy, but he is a dude. He's, Luke, he's a murderer. he's like
1: The nicest guy in the world, man. <laughs> like is. seriously, if I like you said, he'll sneak up behind you and freaking
0: reach around and split your throat when it comes to tournament fish. And that right. guy's a hammer.
1: Yeah, and he'll do it with a, nothing but a Nico rig too. Yeah, he'll do it with a Nico, yeah. a, Nico rig, a Nico rig and a smile.
0: Yeah. Have you, have you sure. considered
1: changing your hairstyle, Colby? By chance, have you given you know reason? I no?
0: started. If someone found a picture of me from the earlier 2000s, dude, I had Luke John's hair <laughs> going too. So maybe Something that's where I kind of fell off. I need to start growing it out. So <laughs> Luke, re- if you're listening, dude, watch out because I'm coming for you.
1: You just got to reevaluate, reevaluate your priorities. You know, just just yeah. <laughs> get all your ducks in a row, and then let's go win a tournament.
0: I know. I got to start spending money on conditioners if he's got some leftist <laughs> loss, <lock>, man. <laughs> Maybe
1: I think he- Canteen Pro Veal
2: sponsor you. <laughs> yeah, probably. If not me, then they need to hook him up for sure. <laughs> I think he saves up like waypoints and, and just great uh, fishing information in those things and he can pull from it. That's probably it's
0: like his, his brain
3: flows it, out it, of
2: his skull. Exactly. Into his hair. Yeah. And he just keeps yep. everything. No,
0: he's one of the most natural, uh, skilled anglers that I think Southwest right now.
2: Yeah, uh, it's fair to say. And the, the, Like you said, the guy just kills it. But super nice guy. We had him on. He was, he was a lot of fun to talk to.
1: When yeah, um,
2: When he won that Wild
1: West Bass Trail at Maloney's, you were probably there, right?
0: Yeah, I was there. I sold a boat right before then. And uh, right. I actually fished that one with a co-angler.
1: So when when he won that, and for most people, they were like, this, this kid just came out of nowhere, right? Nobody's ever heard his name. He wins this big pro-am on on a lake that should not have been won on a crankbait this time of year. Like, what's going on? And me and Christian Ostrander went out fishing, like, the week after that, just fun fishing. And and he's like, no, like, that kid's a stud. Like, you're going to hear his name a lot in the future. Like, that was not a fluke that he won that tournament, you know? And I was like, okay. Then here we are a few years later, and he was spot on with that one. Yep.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That was my first introduction to Luke, too. And especially because he won that tournament uh, cranking like a relatively shallow crankbait, which in reservoirs you don't hear about that much. So like that crazy off the wall thinking. I mean, dude, it was just a, a introduction to how lethal he ended up becoming and is.
2: That's still one of my favorite breakdowns of a tournament and a guy talking about how he won something was listening to him talk about throwing that crankbait in Maloney's. It was just so interesting. Totally. Yeah. But anyway, enough enough about Luke. We love you, Luke. But uh this is the this is the Colby show. Um where should we start, man? Uh you're in you're you're in southern Oregon, but your local lake where you fish the most is a lot of the northern lakes. Shasta, um, Lake X. I don't know if we should mention the name, right, Colby? <laughs> they're <laughs> all
0: they're one. all lake, uh, lake X up there for yeah. those guys. <laughs> yeah. The only one they're allowed to talk about Shasta. But yeah, dude, I uh I live in Southern Oregon, Medford, so I'm like super close to the California border. Um, I fish Shasta the, the most predominantly, just because that's obviously where a lot of events kind of center around. But I fish Trinity, Whiskeytown, all that stuff a lot. Actually, when I launch my boat, that's pretty much where I'm at. It's one of those one of those lakes down there around Redding.
3: Yeah.
2: Well, and I and you, you like throwing? The, can you do me one favor? Are you on speakerphone, Colby? yeah I'm getting feedback on when me and Ryan are talking. Is there any way you can go to handset on that? yeah, yeah can you hear me now? yeah thanks, man. I appreciate it. I know it sucks yeah but, of course um so it's you like to throw the big bait and before we ha- a couple weeks ago we were talking about some of the things we could we could discuss, and that's something you like throwing, correct
0: oh yeah totally yeah
2: um, but you're also you can throw that that light stuff pretty well because you you have to, right. You're going to, if you're fishing Shasta, you're fishing a tournament. Um, you, you can't always throw the big stuff. Talk. can you talk about like kind of what are your favorite techniques, the things you really love to do and the things that in the last few years becoming more, you know, more professional in this stuff, how, what are some of the things you've had to maybe force yourself to learn to get better at?
0: Yeah, totally. So, um, when I was young living in, in Oregon, especially, I just wanted to catch the biggest fish that I could, cause it's not really known for having huge fish. So a uh, eight pound fish up here, if you were to go survey a panel of guys is probably like their PB or maybe even bigger for their lifetime mm-hmm. in Oregon. So I kind of got fascinated with the idea of catching those bigger fish and, um, Oh, man. Probably about 2008, I started to really just kind of focus on catching big ones. You know, at the time I was 15, 15 15-year-old swimbait kid. You know, I was totally one of those guys. My senior picture in high school was a a seven-and-a-half-pounder on a Hiroshima prototype glide bait. Mind you, I graduated in 2012, and, like, the glide bait scene wasn't actually even a scene back then. Right. So definitely got an introduction to swim bait fishing super early on. Um, love doing that, love trophy hunting. Um, but I had tournament fish for, you know, about five or six years before getting into the swim bait. So what swim bait fishing really did for me was teach me about how fish set up, relate, react, um, how inquisitive they are. I'd see a lot of fish, get a lot of volume in terms of interaction. And then, um, as i started to fish more so as a professional um, i already had a lot of background in where those fish were and how they set up and why but they wouldn't usually go for a big bait in tournament situations um you know always sometimes they would but not all the time so i definitely started to take a major um i guess catering towards finesse fishing super light lines. so if i was to describe my style um you know in a simple sentence it's just going to be either five pound test or 20 pound test, you know, little baits or 10 inch baits too. And like when I say swim baits, like that's yes. my, that's my Sorry, like spectrum that. is like 10 inch. You know what I mean? It's not six inch. Yeah. I use that stuff too. And little finesse swim baits and everything too. But I like really, like really big baits, like, you know, hog hunters and at least like eight inch huds, Gancraft 230. Um, my personal best smallmouth and spot are both on a 230. Um caught a lot of, you know, eight to ten plus pound largemouth on big baits too. Um so I mean I like uh my favorite bait of all time to throw is like a lunker punker like number one. OG dude, it's like hey, OG Punker, right? Oh dude, just a OG to... bunker, the OG oh. wood punker. The old one. Um that's the one dude you're like, hey dude you just gotta fish this forever. Like I'm a just, just give me that. It's fine. And just if it that... was competition, that's why I'd yeah. say think of, obviously. <laughs> just trying to make a buck or whatever, pay some bills. Um but, yeah, definitely punkers, big magnum topwaters is probably my favorite thing to do. Um, I've been really successful throwing glide baits, but I hate throwing a glide bait personally. Like, it's just literally, like, watching paint dry. Um, see so many fish, and uh, I don't know, I just like to see them come up to the surface and blast it. Other than that, love big soft baits. At hog hunter's probably the go-to. Um, throw a lot of line throughs, like a shaft baits or ospreys. And then as far as finesse goes... I'm like pretty big into the hair jig game. Um, a lot of float and fly stuff. Um, a lot of like, uh, Nico rig. That's kind of bread and butter, um, for me. And then, you know, finesse swim baits is definitely a big strength too. So yeah, definitely a contradiction of styles, but it works out really good. Um, feel comfortable doing everything.
1: Well, uh, I like what you said where you, you know, with the big baits it wasn't necessarily always about catching them but it it taught you a whole lot just being able to see the fish right Um, oh totally and you know that's something i've talked about in my seminars you know with springtime fishing like just use use the big well not even just springtime fishing, but use the bait to find the fish you know don't always worry about catching them even if they don't eat it the 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 golf brothers they said the same thing you said so yeah that's great stuff i um the punker, the OG punker, you you had me at that one. Because it's it's funny because a lot of people have like forgot about that bait, right? It doesn't get talked about a whole lot anymore. People that do throw it kind of keep it quiet. But I mean, there was a time where if I was chasing big spotted bass on the reservoirs or I was fishing the Delta and the water was above 60 degrees, I got so much confidence in that bait. I can throw that thing all day long, even on a horrible day. And I, I know I'm get, like I'm going to get one shot at least. On that bait you know mm-hmm. uh, just so much confidence i love that thing <clears throat> um yeah. getting good at throwing those
0: swim baits it taught me how to catch fish like more with more precision right so most of the fish i'm targeting are to some extent like a quote-unquote swim bait fish you know up where the lakes i fish shasta and trinity and places like that i mean the, the bigger size fish are eating trout and kokanee so whether i catch them on a worm or whether i catch them on a big swim bait they're all kind of swim bait fish so it totally mm-hmm. kind of keys me in and it ain't just going down the bank throwing a worm i'm fishing a worm for swim bait fish i'll just catch five instead of one and blow the whole school up
1: <laughs> type right. thing. so and i, I man, i don't know where joel wants to jump into this thing at but what one thing you brought it up a lot of guys don't even like talk about it We we, we haven't talked about it not and i'm not saying we need to make this about the float and fly but you you mentioned you're good with the float and fly Mm -hmm. um it's one of those things i we haven't talked about it a whole lot and try to figure out the best way to do this but can you kind of just and if you don't want to give up i mean i I don't know how much juice you have with that if you don't want to give up anything that's fine no worries but if you can just kind of give us a quick rundown what is just your basic float and fly setup, and what what are your typical lengths from your bobber stopper to your fly? Like what range? Just just a quick rundown because everybody sets theirs up differently. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, first
0: thing to consider, at least like where my mind's at with the float and fly, it's a tool to catch fish that are really spooky and really shallow. It's not just something I'm using to imitate like a small shad pattern, right, Mm -hmm. type bite. Like the fish are up there. They're really shallow. I see them all the time. They're swim bait fish. I know they're there. And it's just something really simple and small that I can present to them. And occasionally one's going to come over and just pull that bobber down.
3: Um,
0: So I really kind of use it with that strategy more so than just being like, oh, man, they're eating shad and four feet off the bank, right? Um, it's, It's really still fishing for fish that are pretty decent size, especially places like shasta and oroville um you can usually catch some fish that are pretty good on the float and fly And um, as far as lengths go it totally varies i mean how uh, typically it's like six to ten feet anywhere in that range It completely just depends on the conditions you can use water clarity as a judge you know you kind of get that lack of visibility if it's real clear it's usually like eight feet when it starts the lake starts to get that kind of greenish hue and uh typically that's kind of what i use as a starting point launch the boat look in the water if it's dirty i kind of i will say i avoid it but i don't usually start with a float fly Mm -hmm. usually i like it when it's five to ten foot clarity look at the line of sight base my leader length off of that um and then uh just uh go from there i usually use six pound fluoro if it's kind of stained i'll use eight and then i tie all my own flies pretty much um so that definitely helps a lot of guys are throwing the spro flies and they work good but i just i like to i pretty much tweak every bait that i fish and I like to make it a little bit more customized and go from there.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Something that everybody else doesn't have. Well, I think uh, there's something are, to be said you about usually go an eighth ounce for the most part? Uh, typically eighth ounce. Okay. I would go towards eighth or, th-
0: or one sixteenth. So I wouldn't really, I don't have any situation where I go bigger than an eighth, right. especially if I'm going to put it underneath a bobber. Now, if I'm just blind casting a fly around fan casting, I guess I, I might go a little bit heavier, but. Other than that, it's pretty much 16th or 8th.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, of course.
2: So, the, I mean, I think a lot of people knew about Trinity before, but I think it really got kind of blown up when uh, it was the Apex that went there, correct?
0: Yeah, Apex. they had an Apex event there April twenty yeah. this year, April yeah.
2: 2022. And it's funny, there were guys talking about it before, that thing went and they went up there for the first time and practiced. And they said it, I, Nick Cloutier I was talking to was like, it's just incredible. Like guys that don't fish it a whole lot. Um, but me and you were talking about this. And I the thing is I we, we don't talk about it a whole lot, but I, I think at this point it, it's not like it's a secret. And I don't think a lot of guys are making that trip just because it is such a, it, it is kind of out of the way. So you are going to have to make a weekend of it. It's not like you're just going to run up there if you're in Central California and go fishing for a day. Some guys will, of course, but um, I don't know what what what's been your experience fishing there. It, obviously, you were probably fishing there before a whole bunch of guys knew about it. What's been? Yeah, has, it's has it a changed
3: lot five years ago?
2: <laughs> has I mean, has, has it has it changed over the years? And what were some of the things that that? i guess yeah I'm i mean sure some of that. the
0: stuff to note about trinity is the lake's 100 feet lower than it was just a handful of years ago so it fluctuates like every reservoir but if you were to go up there now i mean i know the the lawn tramp's pretty much in shambles because they pulled out some pieces uh like some sort of like suction tower piece for the dam and i guess it's just kind of a nightmare to get a boat in and out right now it's all soft red clay stuff there's some pavement mixed in um last winter there wasn't the a dock i haven't been down there yet this winter um, but it's, it's an amazing fishery. It's got a lot of nice fish in it. Um, I think as bass fishermen. We got to be kind of pick and choose how hard we battle against ourselves, right? Like the main thing that we need to all work together on is representing the sport in a positive way, taking care of the communities that have these fisheries
3: mm-hmm. again, in
0: a positive way, helping stimulate their economy. Um, and then obviously preaching, catch and release and kind of talking about the age of these fish and how important it is just to take care of them. Luckily, at this day and age, pretty much everybody who bass fishes is kind of a conservationist in that aspect, which uh, places like up there, it's that's, like, incredibly important. Um, but, yeah, you used to fish really, really good. It gets, It's gotten a lot tougher the last year. Um, the last time I was out there was in very late October, and it was like a struggle to catch a limit or two. You know what I mean? But there's good-sized fish. Four- to seven-pound fish is a pretty – I don't want to say common, but that's kind of a standard size. And then, uh, it varies. If you, there's a lot of boats on that lake, those fish shut down and they'll go out and suspend most every fish in there is a relatively old fish. You know, there's the largemouth in there are Northern strains. So I'd say that a five pound fish is probably at least eight to 12 years old, you know? So they kind of know when all of a sudden a couple of boats go ripping up the, the main river channel up over their head and they seem to shut down pretty good. So, um, yeah, the fishery takes care of itself in that aspect. As long as guys are being really careful with their fish and the biggest thing I'd say about Trinity guys need to stop doing is taking a hero because you can go up there and catch a limit of fish or four fish. And uh the problem is a lot of times those fish are pretty deep and you know, they're large mouthed or in thirty plus feet of water, they bring them up and people say, Oh man, they're so fat I'm like, that fish has a water bottle size air bladder and you're just letting it sit there in your in your well, so You know, you can you can fish them, but it's like why cause the trauma? Just catch one, take a picture, let it go. You know, just take care of the the environment. There's other fisheries that are way better to go catch a trophy fish, in my opinion. You know, there's a lot of four to five pound smallmouth in there, which is a great fish. There's a lot of nice size largemouth, but realistically, it's it's kind of got a wrap as a trophy fishery, and it is a great quality fishery. But if you want to catch a giant, man, just Invest your time in some of these other fisheries too, because I'll tell you one thing: when guys are pounding Trinity, shasta gets pretty
1: dang good. Yeah, right.
2: That's good. To, I mean, it, I think it's one of those things where in this in this bass world is you know you don't want to blow a spot up, and I mean we we're, we've tried very hard not to do anything like that um, on this show. We don't have to do that, so we don't really want to. Um, but having a guy like you on that's up there fishing it, I think it is important for guys to know like it, it's not this place you're just going to go and it's going to be magical and you're going to catch eights all day. And like you said, I think there are other places you can catch much bigger fish, uh, like we're Ryan, yeah. like we're Ryan fishes. <laughs> you know, we ain't blowing my stuff up. Go to Trinity. I want all <laughs> yeah. you guys up there to go to Trinity. We rarely talk about the mother load here. No, I'm just kidding.
1: No, but and, and if people are out there listening my biggest word of advice okay for almost anybody and even myself i mean i you know i have to book trips to make a living and i have to post a lot of pictures um but even even me just out of respect for local tournaments going on just for the lakes i i don't even say which lake i'm at anymore there is no need to say where you're at if you go up to trinity and have a great day post some pictures that's great but there is absolutely zero need to tag trinity put your boat up by the bank just get some shoreline in the background and take a picture and shut up it's that simple and the same thing wherever you're at you know I mean if you're at a smaller fishery that it's it's just it's one of those kind of unwritten rules you know or not even a rule it's just it's just a suggestion from somebody that fishes a lot but let people guess where you're at you know the people that know the, the body of water they're gonna know where you're at anyway so I don't know that's just my two cents on it yeah hundred percent.
2: So coming up on I, this oh, next sorry. go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead.
1: Go no, ahead. no, no, no. No. Nope. Okay. You go. You're okay. Um what what is your personal best smallmouth out of or what's your personal best smallmouth and where did it come from? I should say. Uh, my Trinity. personal
0: best smallmouth was a six nine. And it was up here in Oregon, a lake called Applegate Lake. So I've fished Trinity like a hundred times in the last couple of years, and I've not caught a smallmouth there doing six nine.
1: Wow. Yeah. Oh God, I can't even imagine what that looks like up close and personal. And that's the deal with the smallmouth, right? Like you can post your pictures of them, but it's just like when you catch a six or seven pound spotted bass. You can post a picture of it and be like, oh, I caught a seven-pound spot. And everybody's like, BS. There's no way. And you're like, okay, because they got the little tiny mouth, right? So they don't a picture doesn't do them justice. But just getting to go to um, And I My personal best Is Is a 460 Something smallie Which I mean Is obviously nothing But in person Of course Smallie looks though. huge You know Yeah
0: The smallmouth For some reason They get kind of I don't want to say They get tapped out But There's a really good chance That most truly big smallmouths You're seeing on the west coast And pictures Are like a 450
1: To a 525 Probably Right Well I had to go you All know. the way to New York To catch mine <laughs> That's, that's, it was still, it, it was worth the trip.
3: <clears throat>
1: but in, 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 in the motherlode, we don't have, I mean, if you catch a smallmouth of one of our motherlode lakes, you know, um, unless you're at Lake Tullick, it's got a big population of smallies, but they, for the most part, they don't get real big. It seems like I've, I, I've never caught one out of that lake over, over three, three and a quarter. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Smallmouth grow slow. It takes a special kind of fishery to, they get a really big one i'll say most of the truly giant smallmouth i've caught like six plus pounders they're in lakes that don't really have a lot of big fish if you get somewhere like in the trinity situation where there's a lot of like fours and fives that's kind of like what's in that fishery and don't get me wrong there is big ones in trinity but it's
1: not like guys think right well yeah and you see i mean even even when the guys go up there and they crack 30 pounds it's not like they've got a you know a nine or ten pounder in the bag they got a correct i'm in the sixes you know yep so anyway I'll, i'm going to be going up there we've got a trip um uh march 4th it'll be my first time ever going to that lake so i'm i'm excited to get up there
0: yeah it should be good it's just uh peck and hunt until you find them and then uh drive safe dude it's still a uh, pretty cold country we got some snow in that apex event i've hit some black ice on the way there before so not a fan of take it easy on the ride but the nice thing about going there man is if it's not really producing you just go down the hill and you got some other lakes for quality they're half hour away yeah
2: so have they have they released the the list of uh lakes for apex for next year yet
0: yeah i'm under the impression that it's been announced but don't ask me because I don't want to be the guy that spills it if I'm not supposed to. <laughs> I,
2: I I saw something from Lusane. So I think you're right. I think it has been announced. So unless yeah. who spilled the beans, but, um, are there any, are there any, And we, I we, 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 the sorry, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I haven't seen the list, like he said, but I know that, um, like I said, I saw Mark put some stuff out there, so I'm guessing that it is. But is there anything on there? We don't even have to talk about what exactly what lake it is, but is there any on there you saw that that got you pumped?
0: Yeah, the first two uh, apex events, aside from the championship, at least the regular season events are um, both of them are on pretty smallmouth dominant fisheries. So I mean, that's that's my bread and butter. I'm, that's my favorite fish fish for when I show up to a smallmouth tournament. I mean, not to sound arrogant, it's just that's i'm ready it's it's good
1: it's confidence it's not arrogance there's a big difference
3: yeah it's,
0: it's confidence but i'm starting to worry about what i'm going to do sunday usually when i launch a boat in a smallmouth fishery i just love them so we get along real well
2: and you obviously you got to be throwing some bigger swim baits for smallmouth as well which is a different deal than throwing the yeah. bigger baits for largemouth and that's something that, I, that i've never really heard talked about or i've that we've ever talked about is the the approach to fishing bigger baits for smallmouth versus largemouth maybe you can shed some light on that
0: yeah that uh my personal best smallmouth that 69 was actually on a gangcraft 230 um so that's nine inch class bait and um throwing big swim baits for smallmouth a bunch you got to be a little bit more specific and strategic with um, your hook placement, if you have a, like a huddleston type bait, it's really hard to hook smallmouth on a huddleston. So you kind of got to get creative with, with the hook. same thing with spots, really. Um, since they both have smallmouth and then, uh, a lot of, uh, smallmouth are a pretty optical inclined feeder. So they, where a largemouth might just feel something and swim over and eat it. Um, the smallmouth like to chase and follow and they'll cover a great distance to go like inspect a bait. So your glide baits, uh, lunker punkers. Uh, multi-jointed, like fast moving baits, like a Balaam. Um, that's a really good bait for smallmouth. Um, I throw a ton of line throughs for smallmouth, just because they have open treble hooks and it kind of higher in the water Those fish like to travel to go chase a bait. Mm-hmm. Um, trash fish is a good bait that's, you know, fits really easily inside their mouth and com- compacts down. I throw that just like on a jig head, like a revenge head. Um, and then obviously like Kitex and stuff, just absolutely smoke smallmouth. It's probably like one of the best smallmouth baits ever invented by anyone in the history of mankind. <laughs> um, one thing, uh, if you were to see me smallmouth, uh, swimbait fish, like a largemouth hits your bait and you kind of can pause for a second and just inhales that bait. But a lot of times when I'm fishing for smallmouth, I'll swing as soon as they hit, cause I got a lot of open hooks and, you know, they come up, hit baits and kind of like almost puff at them. So if they're a little bit more oversized hooks just based off that they have more reach and grab and then swing right away so that way they don't spit it because those hits are like sometimes like just a split second they come up and just smoke a bait and a lot of times they'll hit it four or five times before you even hook one um re- angles are probably the most important thing you can kind of like uh i guess pressure a small mouth into biting where a large mouth just kind of will follow a little ways and then get lazy and swim away a smallmouth will fall away to the boat. So you can get creative with your your angles, fishing uphill, casting like out um, inside to out, across the spine of a point type thing. Just set it up so they can really like hit a bait in a favorable position for them to actually feed. And then I can't even tell you how many hundreds of smallmouth I've caught on swim baits like with 10 feet of line off my rod tip just because they get super shallow and say, I don't like it up here. And But I followed this bait for 40 yards and I'm going to eat it right here. So that's kind of a cool situation too.
2: Oh yeah.
1: Do the smallies like, <clears throat> and I don't do much big bait fishing, but I, I, I get guys out that, that are, that are good with it, that we do go chase them and the spots obviously they really like to headshot that big bait a lot. Do the smallies tend to do the same thing? Like where they're taking yeah, shots at that
0: hundred percent.
1: So that yeah, if
0: they come up and they're just doing body shots, like almost like kissing the bait, it's like maybe make a, a speed adjustment or, add something more erratic or maybe change colors. Um, but they come up and hit the head when they're into a bait, they come up and just drill the head. I think it's just to,
1: to kill it or paralyze it. Um, so when a we lot of times placement, hook placement is important. Then you, you, you guys can do the math on that one. We'll just leave it at exactly. that. <laughs> yep. Exactly. I, if you were to dig through my boat, you'd see there's
0: so many like creative rigs that I've just kind of built out of necessity, um, just to put hooks where I need them, you know? Right. Got to think outside the box. I like it. Yep, totally.
2: Well, I know that the— But um, if you
0: throw uh, big baits for smallmouth, you'll see them. I mean, like, when we were down at that Lake Mojave Apex event, I mean, I was throwing a glide bait until I'd figure out where the fish were, and I caught all of them that I weighed in on a fly. Um, So, yeah, just one-two punch for sure.
2: Yeah, I think that's just cool that—I think guys think, oh, I'm going to go out and and I'm going to use this glide bait and then they see and, they, and then they get discouraged because they're not catching them on it. They can see followers, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, that's something that it, it seems like it's ingrained to the guys that, that know what they're doing is just using it as it, as it's, as it's own fish finder. Um, yep. I'm just telling myself that so that I can remember to do that. myself. <laughs> um, but speaking of weird fish finding ways, um, are you, are you uh, using the forward facing sonar?
0: yeah yeah i got really um the first year i fished apex in 2021 i didn't have it the whole season and i watched a lot of guys use it and i really wasn't like buying into it it seemed like there's a lot of time kind of just chasing ghosts and then you'd see guys weigh in and uh, i was like i don't really know because i was not doing too bad without it and then um i finally got a hold of it in uh like october 2021 and it's 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 kind of my jam at this point it's not the only thing i'm doing um but i definitely have have used it in my favor and it's been pretty 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 dang successful man
2: yeah yeah which
1: forward-facing sonar are you are, are, are you using
0: um i'm running the garmin and i uh i've always been into electronics i used to i mean like side image and 2d and waypoints and get really dialed in with my waypoints angles make a waypoint for where my boat needs to be where i need to cast and stuff so um switch to the garmin and uh i mean man it's pretty good i got sometimes i post pictures and stuff like that of things and a lot of guys hit me up regardless of what unit they're using just asking about settings or how i'm getting i guess the clarity and quality out of my unit that i am
2: do you use uh, a separate mounting post for your transducer
0: um, I don't. And I'm glad you asked that because I've seen a picture of that setup a couple times on social media lately. And I've never used the separate mounted like motorized post. So I'll I'll pay attention to see how effective it is for the guys that I saw were running it. But when I'm using my live scope, I'm pretty much constantly panning for fish. Uh-huh. So I can't imagine a situation where I would want that to be mounted anywhere besides my trolling motor. Okay. Um, you know, I've, I mean, I've, I've used that thing like a lot the last year to the point that I'm hundred percent confident that fish can feel the signal. And a lot of times I'll, I'll find them and actually turn my, my transducer away from the fish. Cause I've seen so many fish swim out of the cone, but I don't think they would otherwise if they weren't being pretty much pinged. Uh-huh. Um, so having the, the control on my trolling motor and, and versatility just to kind of like run it subconsciously without having to kind of think about what I'm doing is is pretty desirable for me but it'll be interesting See, i can see obviously if you're like a clear lake and four footers spot locked on a point and you need to kind of look at the structure then it'd be desirable to have it locked out on a separate mountain for what i do in my type of fishing now in the last couple turns i fished i was running a four tracks too so i didn't even have spot lock i'm just panning around all the time
2: okay yeah, that's the one thing that I did notice when we talked about this a lot a couple weeks ago when we talked to Juan Acosta was you know the way that the way that you have to use that thing. Um it makes spot lock tough and in the wind I can imagine it's it makes it even tougher. It wasn't real windy that day. Yep. But um it definitely it, there are some drawbacks, you know, but Yeah.
0: No, I, I one thing I do with my live scope too, if Unfortunately, I had to borrow some boats lately. I had some boat issues this year. But a lot of guys are running their stuff pretty tight, like 40 to 80 feet range. Um, I run mine pretty exclusively to like 140 feet um, distance in front of the boat. And that's with the original uh, live scope transducer and black box setup. I just have adjusted my settings and turned my gain up and pretty much run it at 140 uh, most of the time. When I'm looking for individual fish or schools of fish or bait, um, if I'm on a piece of like isolated structure, I'll probably set it at 90. But I like that 140 when I can run it out that far.
1: Well, yeah. I, I mean, you think about it. When you hear 140 feet, I mean that that seems like it's 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 really far out there. But when you think about it, 140 feet, right? Um. I mean, you can you can bomb, you know, a, a long cast right with with a decently heavy bait. um, what 40 50 yards you know i mean that's 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 getting out there to where I, I mean you can almost bomb a long cast with a heavy bait out 140 feet really pretty yeah dangerous. i you
0: can so like at shasta we just fished a am championship down there um last month and i had mindset to 140 there's they're pushing shad pretty hard um And really, they were moving super quick. Like the fastest I've seen fish chase shad um, was at Shasta last month. So having that at 140 kind of like enabled me to get a full kind of view of what was going on in the creek that I was in. And uh, 140 feet is exactly how far I could cast a kind of a heavy drop shot to them um, on five pound braid to a six pound leader. I could get it about exactly 140.
1: See, five pound braid. I love that, dude. I get everybody comes out on the boat and they've got. 20 and 30 pound braid on a spinning reel. I'm just I'm shaking my head. I, I couldn't I to... do it,
0: dude. I threw a lot of like one power and two power rods and four thousand spinning reel, which a lot of you guys think is crazy too. I think it's crazy to use anything else, but I'm Ladies, sure someday. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold yeah, on.
1: That's... Say that one more say that one more time for the people in the back.
0: Five pound braid on a four thousand spinning reel all day long. I'll never switch back.
1: When you get on my boat, I have nothing but four thousand size reels, and people think I'm crazy. They don't understand the benefits of that
0: life-changing line pickup. Oh God! You cast dude. out, cast a Nico rig in the forty feet of water, hundred feet away from the boat, and then let it sink down. You got such a bad angle; um, your line is kind of making a, a arc down to your lure, and I could pick up probably about almost forty inches per crank. So I could crank two times and lean back, and I moved ninety inches of line. Or if a guy just swings, he probably doesn't move any line, <laughs> barely at all. Not not at, uh, not at the bait.
2: He may he's he different. might move it through the water column, but he's not moving the bait because, like you said, it's yeah, a exactly. in that line. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. Plus is, the
0: drag smoother doesn't put the the line as tight on my spool, so it kind of unravels a little bit easier,
1: you know. So now I got a system, dude. Spinning rods, my jam. It, it, it's I watched a. Um, Oh, well, this was about five years ago. And I, you know, I was always a 2,500, 3,000 size reel guy, you know, because mm-hmm. that's just what I was taught to use by the, the old timers that taught me. And and um I watched a video that Greg Gutierrez did. He had just won a Shasta event. I don't even remember which one it was, one of the many that he's won. And it was like where they go out and film the day after, you know, here's how I did it. And he was explaining the importance of that 4,000 size reel in deeper water, throwing his his frenzy nail, you know, and I once I heard him explain it, I was like, that makes complete sense. Like, why would you not do it? You know, everybody's like, well, it's so heavy. I'm like, dude, if if a four thousand size reel is too heavy for you, you you need to take up another sport, like, you know, badminton or something. I don't know what to tell you.
0: Yeah, reels have gotten super light too. I think a four thousand Vanford's like I think it's seven point nine ounces. Seven seven and a half or eight ounce. Either way, it's like still lighter than all the twenty five hundreds were ten years ago. <laughs>
1: i'm throwing shimano Nossies, and they're heavy as heck and i'm like you're gonna yeah. take it, use it and you're gonna love it i don't care yeah no i use uh
0: the real i use a die
1: with i think it's
0: eight on paper it looks like it'd be heavier but i don't even notice a difference i have Sertate 4000s on um some like 741 power spinning rods which would be like super light but it balances really good i like full cork grips too when i can get away with those so it's just yeah. about balance
2: man no well, now you got me i i need i need to get a couple of spinning reels so now there we go Looks you
0: nice. need to walk over to the deck of my boat and grab one and cast it and as soon as it hits the water you're gonna be like oh
2: get it now yeah yeah,
0: oh. yeah. no seriously dude i can cast so far with that light braid on those big reels and shortest spinning rod islands to seven four and i have some that are like eight footers so
1: I like all of this.
2: I definitely have dropped down like, my, my braid since talking with Ryan and, and other people. Um, I have dropped my braid down to, I think it's 10 now, but maybe I need to go, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe go even lighter.
0: Well, yep. and t- I used 10 for a long time, and the only thing that I liked more about the 5 than the 10 is how small my knot is.
3: Mm. Right. So,
0: And I haven't had – I started fishing exclusively – well, not exclusively because, like, if I'm fishing docks with a spinning rod or something, it's like if I have to, I'll obviously use a little bit heavier braid. But generally, in all of my reservoir stuff, it's five-pounder, even up on the river.
1: Um,
0: And I haven't had a single issue with that braid since I started using it, like, almost a year ago.
1: Well, explain to them how strong five-pound braid truly is. Like, how often do you ever break your braid at five-pound? Yeah, I've never –
0: if, if I've broken braid in like my life and I've been a braid the leader guy on spinning gear for like a decade. So a lot of volume. Um, I've never, I can't think of one time I've ever broken my braid that I was like really surprised by it. You know, as long as you don't have a Nick in your guide or, you know, you pay attention and tie long leaders and, um, that five pound braid isn't the weak point, like bar none. It just isn't. Yeah. Right. Um, and I tie long leaders too. Like the lighter the line I run, the longer the leaders. So, We were fishing a tournament in Southern California, El Capitan, um, in like June and I was throwing five pound leader and I, my leader is probably 40 feet long, dude. Just the, the braids, the carrier for me to get the effectiveness out of my gear that I need. It's not really as much about the strength. It's just, it's just purely performance. And then my leader is going to be the weak point always. And I'm going to tailor that length to kind of what my presentation needs to be or what the size of the leader is so it can stretch. Right.
1: No, and that's you know, and you see a lot of these guys. You know, they're they're running braided leader, and they they they. I, I just you know, minimum minimum twenty foot leader. I usually tie twenty to thirty foot. You know, and then when that thing gets down to anywhere you know around fifteen foot, to me, it's time to retie again.
0: Yeah, I'm on the same page, pretty much. The shortest uh, leader I'd run with eight would eight, be like twelve feet. Right. And it's, guys are like, how long do I need to tie it so the fish don't see my brain? I'm like, I don't even consider that. It's just really about the properties of that fluorocarbon and what it needs to, to have its strength in terms of stretch and stuff.
1: Yeah. Which it
0: doesn't it's, stretch that much. So if you tie a six foot leader and you put a lot of shock on it, like it's just going to pop.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Everybody needs to go back and listen to the last 10 minutes and listen to that one more time. Cause there, there's so much good info right there in in finesse fishing open water it just that is gold
2: well there's gold right there there are definitely some things there that he brought up that we may have touched on but we've never talked about the actual size we maybe we have once or twice but i don't ever remember talking about the four thousand size reels you've kept that to yourself ryan sandbag and some bitch over here
1: i've talked about Hmm. that early on when i was a guest on this podcast Several different times. Well,
2: well, since you've come on as a host, I haven't heard any, any. I heard boo,
1: guy. Well, I figured you were paying attention to our early on podcast. Well, so you know, some of these people, some of
2: these people haven't started listening until just recently, Ryan Cook. So, thank you, Col. Thank you, Colby. We're <laughs> hooking yeah, us up absolutely. with the four oh, thousand. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I, uh, I keep really like, um like. There's a lot of pressure on me and accountability because, you know. I'm, fishing as a professional you know i work a day job like 50 hours a week so i look at everything in like a logistical sense um so i think out of eight events this year that i fished uh either apex or proams, i think i lost two fish um like all year like literally like two fish that i should have landed missed a couple too but i literally in the entire season of eight events i missed or lost two fish not missed lost. Um, and, and, really it's, it's just about hookup ratio and landing percentage. And I think a lot of guys are using gear that isn't perfectly matched up to the logistics of fishing. So the 4,000 reel, the five pound braid, I use Cortland braid, um, personally, and, uh, Seaguar fluorocarbon leaders for the most part. And, uh, I'm really picky on hooks and really really picky on how i set the hook and like you mentioned greg like watch greg set the hook greg sets the hook different than everybody else that you could really see and he looks like he slams fish especially with the spinning rod but like it's all logistics man if you pay attention to what these guys are doing like you can have full seasons where you only lose two fish you think you probably should have landed yeah. and that's the reason why i was able to get paid in most of the events it's just small margin of error you got to land everything to bite.
2: We've talked about fishing clean, you know, what that means to different guys. Right. And mm-hmm. some guys will be like, Oh, I don't want to miss one. Or, and and it could be, you know, I just swung too hard on that fish. You know, that wasn't clean. Like it wasn't just fighting the fish and the fish comes off whatever. Yep. Um, but you'll see on the way in, you'll see guys get up there. I'm not going to drop any names. But they're like, Oh, I miss, I lost like four fish today. And it's like dude, every tournament, how do you lose four? F- I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm a slouch. And it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't lose that many fish. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, I don't know. I I always find that that's a little bit hard to believe that they lost four fish that day.
0: (laughs) Yep. Totally. It's, uh, I don't know. I just paid really close attention and eventually developed the system. And especially like, lakes like Shasta, it's kind of a logistics thing. I mean, there's not necessarily a secret where you can just go catch two twenties, but if you get 50 bites a day, and you only hook 20 of them, you only get to cull a certain amount of times. But if I get 50 bites a day and I can land 40, I get twice as much the culling volume. And all of a sudden, I got a 10 and a quarter pound bag and it's worth a thousand bucks.
1: Yeah. Spotted bass fishing 101.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, just cull through them, you know. And in terms of big fish, too, like I don't. I feel more comfortable fish reeling in a seven on a spinning rod than I do a bait cast rod. Like that's not even a joke. Seriously. I'm probably one of the only guys that would say it. Dude, I
2: dude, I, 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 agree with you 100%. I agree with you a hundred percent. I agree with you a hundred percent. Yeah.
0: I just got more control over my equipment. I know the exact parameters that it can perform. And when we fished at apex at Trinity, I, I think I weighed 66 pounds in three days. Every fish was on a spinning rod. I didn't lose any and I had a couple sevens.
2: I'm not talking about, oh, seven, I'm okay. not talking about all the sevens that I catch, but I'm like, just in general, I feel more yeah. confident landing a fish on a spinning rod than I do on a baitcaster. That's me.
0: Yep. Yep. Me too. Totally. My style, dude, big giant baits are little tiny spinning rod stuff. And I'm equally comfortable with either one. I least way less fish on the spinning rod. Than I do with a damn swim bait.
1: <laughs> well, and, and just to, just to kind of round this up here. So you talk about how much confidence you have on a spinning rod, And I, Hundred percent, I, I agree with you on every everything you're saying. There's nothing that I'm like. Well, I do this a little bit. No, <clears> hundred percent. <throat> um, you talked about the importance of longer spinning rods. Okay, longer rod, oh. lighter line, smaller hook, and and you talk about kind of the way that you reel. You know that reel set whether you end up swinging on those fish or not it's really not important the fact is you get tight you reel that bigger reel everything's everything's tight that hook gets buried those smaller hooks and i'm sure you're not one that probably uses a real big drop shot hook i would mm-hmm. i would assume once you hook them it is so hard to lose that fish unless you break it off yep exactly you know it it's almost impossible to lose a fish again as as big as you want to catch it doesn't matter open water you take your time that let the rod do the work for you okay that's why that big long rod if you can picture it i'm doing it with my hand it's 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 parabolic that whole thing's bent that fish cannot unload that rod unless you don't know how to fight it and it's not going to throw that little hook it can jump five or six times it doesn't even make me nervous you know
0: yeah, the purpose of a rod is to distribute tension. I mean, that's really in no more complicated fashion exactly what we're trying to do with it. And the more length it allows for for a little bit different taper, and like you said, it's hard to take that tension off of that rod, and, and it's hard to put a lot of pressure on a rod too. I mean, I get in conversations with guys about drag, and they worry because they're realizing eight pounds of drag. Tie an eight-pound lead ball at the end of any rod you own, and you probably can't lift it off the ground, period. Your right. drag's not going to slip. You probably just can't do it because the rod's made. To distribute tension and then uh you mentioned hooks too i mean i'm dialed in and kind of detail oriented enough there's hooks that i throw in the summer when fish have soft mouths and there's hooks that i throw in the winter when fish have really hard mouths and i see guys um i fished with we'll one of my buddies earlier. yeah earlier this year i fished with one of my buddies and we were fishing for some fish that were up north here and it's super cold like the water temperature is like in the 40s and uh, just can't hook fish. And you, you can't. If you're not using specific, um, you know, putting a lot of pressure on them, like you said, with that big spinning reel braid, longer rod, moving a ton of line. And we're talking like 10 feet of line in, in the course of setting the hook. And uh, using the right hook, you're, just, you're not going to hook them in the first place. Guys are going to go out and have a terrible day and say, oh, man, I missed them. I just didn't hook them. And never take into question the logistics of actually hooking and landing fish, which is the only thing I really pay attention to besides finding them.
1: Right. This reminds me of just the way that you think about it in your head. This reminds a, this reminds me a lot of when we talked to Philip Dutra. He's, you know, just big time numbers guy. You know, he, okay. he in, you know, this percentage for this bait and this percentage. And he's like, if you're not it, you know, just, just talking, punching, you know, he's like, if you're not it at, at, at 96% of landing your punch bites, he's like, there's something that you are absolutely doing wrong that, that is fixable, you know? Yep. And that's, man, it just, it almost gives me goosebumps. This is just really, really good stuff because this is stuff that doesn't get talked about. You know, everybody's got, well, this is what I throw and, you know, and, and this is the way I do it. And it's like, well, you're, you're going to do well on it, but but you're not, but there's a better way to do it. You know, there's very yeah, much a better if you, way. You
0: capitalize, you, you bridge that gap between doing okay in some events and in like top tenning a lot and getting paid in almost every event you enter. If you really hold yourself accountable for the growth that is on the table, then I mean, that's, and that's all I do. I just think about fishing and refine and adapt and, and grow and overcome. And that's just all it is. I I have to capitalize. I can't afford to not catch these suckers
2: you know well i mean you 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 kind of nailed it when you said you're working 50 hours a week like most guys mm-hmm. are working their asses off and then you got to pay your entries you got to get out there you got to pay the gas you got to pay whatever lodging you're gonna do you're you're putting up a lot of money to go out there and do this and it's all about minimizing every little bit of luck out of it get rid of as Correct. much luck as possible and you know it's almost like from a business standpoint you got to look at it like a business.
0: Yeah, it is. I have to look at it as a business because, I mean, that's the only way I can exist. And if I'm not pretty much competing, I'm either practicing sometimes or I'm pretty much at work. Like that's it.
2: Yeah. So and to go back to go back to the to the hooks real quick, I, and I, I always love this because there, there's other types of fishing you can take things from it. And I think a lot of guys don't really do that. Or if they haven't been exposed to different types of fishing, whether that be fly fishing for trout or offshore stuff or whatever it is, there's a lot of lessons that can be learned from other disciplines and other types of fishing. And so when you talk about like a small hook, Ryan, um, and, you know, losing, losing fish, or you think about the guys that are out there throwing calabatus, like 20, like size 20 hooks, size 22 hooks. Calibatus and catching five six pound trout that are jumping all over that that river dealing with current and all that stuff and they're gonna th- that those fish stay pinned and mm-hmm. a, i don't know if you guys can like like visualize a number 20 or a number 22 or an i don't even know what that looks like it, to be it's, dude they're, they're it's... almost they're almost microscopic they're, they're tiny they're absolutely right. tiny and 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 trout don't have the hardest mouths in the world but those guys are still able to, to land those fish because the because like you said the tension of that rod all all it does is it just it's just a shock absorber really right mm-hmm. and what
1: what weight fly rod are you guys throwing with a hook that small I mean it's got to be a noodle right
2: no I mean it's it, yeah. I don't think the I mean there's still there's still you know five weight six weight that can throw something like that it's just a matter of working that fish. You know, and but that five or correctly. six
1: weight fly rod on a big fly with that little hook it, it's that whole rod is bent right well, it's a I nine mean, it's a gotta...
2: it's a nine foot rod so yeah i mean right yeah so it's like anything else but if you if you're fishing like he's talking about one two power you know longer spinning rods it's the same type of deal you know mm-hmm. and if you're using a a size i don't know whatever it is a size four mm-hmm. six hook whatever it is um Obviously, I'm not going to go six. But what size what size hooks do you do you do you run a lot for like your drop shot, Colby? If you so, can. if
3: I was
0: like uh, drop shotting or throwing like a really small Nico rig in the summer, I would probably use the the hook that I tend to use in the summer when fish get really soft mouth is a Ryugi. at the fog shot and it's like hypodermic needle, thin gauge wire. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I use a size two uh, typically, but if it's a really little bait, I'll use a size three. But if you saw that hook in person, you you think the three is super tiny. It's tiny, yeah. It's I mean, like compared to like a size one uh, finesse uh, gamagatsu, like it's a third the size. It's tiny.
2: Well, they're just built, right. and those are those hooks are kind of built different as well. I, I totally, CBT yeah, super duper, duper
0: thin wire, and yeah. you can lift, especially for largemouth, like Florida strain largemouth in the summer. It's just you're pretty much just going to hook them somewhere and skin material, not even probably in the cartilage, you know.
2: It's always weird for me because I know Ryan. Ryan, you like to throw the ones or the one ots for no.
1: the spear points, right? For a for a, for a drop shot or a small Nico, I I'm a number two or a number, number three two. spear point. Okay. Yeah.
2: So you go bigger. Yep. You go bigger too. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I just look at the size of those hooks and I'm like, do I really need that? You know, a number mm-hmm. th- a number three
1: spear points. A that, that, no, big you're spear
2: right. One. I'm sorry. You're, you're right. That's That's not. Yeah. That's not a big hook. I, I, I'm thinking about the the one ots and like those size of GP finesse. Like guys are big, man. I mean, if I'm throwing a weightless Senko or a wacky rig, it makes sense, but...
0: Yeah, if I'm throwing, like, a 5-inch Senko Nico rig, I'll go with, like, pretty much a one-hot. Yeah. Or maybe even a one on the small side, but if I'm, like, Nico rigging a thin Senko in the summer, that's, like, a size 2 to size 4 game for sure.
1: Right. Well, when you're using the bigger plastics on a Nico rig, like, you're throwing, you know, like, a regular 5-inch Senko, you, you need that you know, one or one not versus the yeah, number, especially when it folds over too. That's that the deal when that over.
0: Bait, I'm always looking to make sure it has good
1: clearance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with that little hook, there's half the time it doesn't. It's not even the hook's fault. It it, it can't grab flesh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, dude. I yep, you got to match it to the size of the bait and your line, your rod, the whole thing. Just the
0: system. Every. Every single bait that you run, you got to look into. But the problem is, is like eight out of ten guys. It seems like just throw the same hook all the time, same rod, same <laughs> yeah, everything. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's okay though. I guess they can do that. Well, I'll, and most of those guys aren't out there fishing for twenty, thirty thousand dollars either. So true, true. Yeah, unfortunately. If you're if I you're a weekend warrior, this kid. show may not pertain to you as much. But if you want to go out and maximize your catches, listen to everything that was talked about. Yep. Well, I mean, you maximize I think, your hours on the water. I should say.
2: I think even if you're not out there fishing tournaments, you, you want to go out and you want to be successful in in doing what you love to do. So it, yeah. it's, you don't have to you don't have to be a tournament fisherman to take. I mean, sh- dude, I find myself like mixing up all my stuff. I was like, oh, okay, I don't like this. Take that reel off, that re-spool it. Okay, let's, let's see. It. Let's try this. And I'll move my reels around, different, you know, retreat different. Um, gear ratio reels to different different rods and just have fun with it. I geek out on that stuff. I love doing that. I love changing it up and then going out the next day and being like, oh I found like the ultimate like setup for the gear I have without having to go out and buy new stuff. Like maybe I'll try this on on that rod. But that's the fun stuff. That is the fun stuff. I love that.
1: And like you said, it it, it doesn't matter. yeah. It, it, it doesn't matter if you're the guy that's fishing big tournaments or you're the guy that's out there bank fishing or kayak fishing on the weekend. Everybody everybody wants to catch more fish, right? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. awesome being on the water, but the catching definitely helps. How
2: are you supposed to get clout on the gram? Come on. <laughs> it's
1: all about the clout. It's all
2: about the gram clout. It's all about the gram clout. The gram clout. Um, Ryan, I before I ask my question, you got anything on that same vein, main vein? No, I mean,
1: dude, he touched, on, he touched on so much good stuff, you know. Um, my one question I would have to you, so I've – I I am still a 10 pound braid guy. I've gone lighter. I've had some issues. So I have pretty much stuck with 10. Most of the stuff we do, the 10 works just fine. But what, what brand are you using in that five pound? Because I I very much understand the benefits of the thinnest braid possible. And I would still like to find a five pound that I can get some confidence in from my clients because for obvious reasons, just casting distance alone, right? Plus the thinner line, deeper water, you are always going to have a little bit less of a bow in your line. There's less resistance. I get all that. But what brand?
0: Yeah, so the braid that I'm running is the Cortland Master Braid. And typically if I'm in shallow water, I use the blue, like say less than six feet of water just in case I'm casting over the fish's head. I don't necessarily want something that doesn't blend in with the sky ripping over there noggins before my bait gets to them and that probably doesn't even matter but i like the blue and then in deeper water i'll use use uh, the brown sometimes but cortland master braid five pounds um the five pound braid venture was really born out of necessity for me because i was casting so many like just little tiny hair jigs and stuff borderline fly fish and stuff but um you know people got to realize that these smallmouth really big ones are shallow water fish are super spooky the further away from the boat that I can get, the better. And a lot of times they're eating stuff like little bugs, little like, um, juvenile helgramites and dragonfly nymphs and mayflies and stuff. So a lot of the flies I throw aren't even necessarily bait fish patterns, like guys think. I mean, there's, there's black ones, obviously, but there's a lot of ones I throw that are green pumpkin and olive and stuff too. The so 16th cool. ounce and you, you can throw it on 10, but that five is just, I get an extra, I don't know, eight yards. So that's enough to get bit
1: more so you're just wow you're, and it's actually it's it's fairly inexpensive too he's throwing stream. yeah it's he's, pretty, pretty. i'm looking it yeah. up right now
2: well you know what's cool about that yeah, though, is you're throwing like streamer type like you know streamer type patterns if you were fly fishing and Cortland, mm-hmm. i've been looking into Cortland too because that they started as a fly fishing company and fly lines and, and things like that sure. so um it's always cool it always it always seems like more and more we talk about this stuff it always comes back to there are some there's always some overlap in these different disciplines it's cool yep
0: yep and then uh you know i was a I was a power pro guy before and power pro is really good stuff uh, but the, the properties the cortland is almost more like a cottony silky texture and it's only like a four braid weave so it just has some different qualities that I'm, i tend to prefer not everybody may may
1: prefer it but um yeah i, I like it so far it's good stuff i got one more question for the night myself Shoot. Mm-hmm. so tying those tying those light lines together you're you're talking five pound braid six pound fluorocarbon you said there are times you go down to five pound fluorocarbon mm-hmm. what it, what is your connection not are you an fg guy or are you an alberto guy man it is so crazy that fg knot i could never
0: take the time to tie that so yeah
1: you and me <laughs> both i don't like it Yeah.
0: I just tie the Alberto knot or whatever, pretty much just uh, make a loop out of my leader material and Mm -hmm. take my braid down six times, up six times. I stagger my braid though. A lot of guys just kind of stack it real tight, but I make sure I'm careful and get the the braid between each,
1: each weave. And so early on when I was tying braid to leader, Because I mean, dude, it took me a long time to jump from straight fluorocarbon. I was always just a straight pound cigar, a straight Mm -hmm. six-pound cigar and Vizx guy. You know, that I mean for a lot of years, won a lot of money fishing tournaments on straight six-pound cigar. And I kept trying to go to braid a leader, and I kept I thought I was breaking my leader knots. Well, they were were, they were unraveling. They weren't cinched down tight Mm -hmm. enough. And if you watch a lot of the old videos, and I used to watch a lot of Aaron Martin stuff, you know, he he was super big on knots and leader knots, and and everybody always talked about braid to leader. You wrap ten and ten, and I always wrap ten and ten. And um, I actually had the first year I started guiding, and I was still doing braid to leader ten to ten, but I didn't like it. I was, I was quote unquote breaking leader knots, which they just weren't. They were coming unraveled, mm-hmm. and I had J R Wright come out to fish the mother load with me. And JR Wright was telling me, he's like, no, nah. he's like on that Alberto, you go six and six. And I'm like, nah, six mm-hmm. and six is yep. going to slip. He's like, no, it's never going to slip. He goes six and six. And since then, and he doesn't even do six down, six up. He just wraps 12 times and tightens it, which that works for him. But I settled on just like you said, the six and six, make sure when you wrap back up, you're going in between each, groove so it's a very uniform knot and since I started doing that oh dude I mean I have had zero issues with that leader knot now granted you can't fish it three days in a row without retying that leader knot
2: but you sure damn can um, you sure damn can but
1: but just like you said and you hit the nail on the (laughs) head you can hear when that knot needs to be retied. and I make sure to uh, trim my
0: fluorocarbon tag super small because when that knot rolls over on itself essentially what happens is your braid kind of like rolls over and catches that tag and that's when it kind of turns into not what you want it to be. It's not streamlined and it kinda wads up. Right. So I make sure I trim my tag as close as I can get it effectively without putting any extra abrasion on the main line. And no, I've never had an issue. i probably I'm ten years deep in that knot probably. No yeah. no is reason to change at all.
1: And and even when you tie and I I mean I'm not a big braid leader guy on a baitcaster for most applications, but even if you were tying bigger braid to leader you're still going to stick with a six and six correct
0: yeah i've even gone from 10 pound braid to like 15 pound floral leader with that knot which it's a little bit dicier to tie it but if you tie it well you can do it even even exchanging some serious uh discrepancy in diameter
1: well i i do that like for clients in the warmer months when we're throwing top water and they can't throw a baitcaster i'll just give them a spinner yep. rod 10 pound test tie on a 15 pound mono leader and yeah just let them go to town you know awesome good stuff bud
2: so i've dropped here a couple times so i hope i didn't lose too much of what you guys said but um i don't think i did uh my my last question for you uh colby before we let you go um is what's your uh favorite setup for the big baits for all the guys out there i mean it's becoming more and more popular we don't talk about it a whole lot but um since we had you on here and ryan usually asks the last question about setup but what's your favorite setup for throwing uh those those 10 inch baits
0: yeah so i would throw most of my stuff just on a bailey swim um the, the bigger baits that i'm throwing pretty much top out at like the six ounce range is pretty much where where i kind of lay as four to six ounces like my preference in terms of baits i'm not throwing anything like a mother or mm. a mag or anything like that so i throw it on a bailey swim um Traditionally all my rods are a power or two lighter than what most guys are running. I pretty much throw everything on fluorocarbon too. And uh, as far as is reels go, um run Shimano bait casters for pretty much everything, but my really oversized swim bait rod actually has a Abu Garcia um Toro, the N A C I, the black and blue one,
3: mm-hmm. in
0: the fifty. And it just holds a bunch of twenty five pound fluoro and that one's been really solid for me since I got it. So that's pretty much the deal on that and then uh, i'll throw like a depth 250 on that rod too mm-hmm. and then uh, one of my favorite swim bait rods for like uh, a gangcraft 230 is actually a, a crank launcher which is only a three power rod but if you shave the joint on the 230 and throw that softer rod with like a 17 pound fluoro which is completely undergunned in every aspect of a four ounce bait but it uh it makes the glides do some special things so that might be something for somebody to take and consider try lightening up their rod when they're throwing a glide glider fluorocarbon and stuff too and my personal best spot actually came on a 230 gang craft on a crank launcher and it was a ten ten point three zero. 10.30 so you can definitely Ooh. handle some big
2: fish oh yeah that's
1: oh that's awesome. a big spot that's a- it was almost a world, world
0: record, but Tim Little decided he was going to catch one eight 100s bigger a couple weeks before. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. that though, And obviously Paul, the one that he caught, and huge fish, huge fish.
1: On a freaking shaky head, on a six-inch morning dawn worm, isn't it? That's, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. I'm stoked mine ate a swim bait, dude. It might be one of the biggest ones ever caught on a swim bait. It wasn't out of Bullards either.
2: That's crazy. Good deal.
0: Nothing against bullets, fish bullets, fish are cool. I've never been there, but pretty, pretty stoked mine was somewhere else.
1: But on most of those big baits, like when you're throwing, um, when you're throwing your hog hunter and stuff, that's all 25 pound floor carbon. Correct. If I'm at Shasta
0: and the hog hunter, hog hunter bite has changed a little bit on Shasta since, um, obviously pretty much no one was throwing it before Alex. So props Alex for blazing that trail and absolutely smoking us in that event. <laughs> um, I throw it on 20 a lot, actually.
1: Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I've got a lot of buddies, you know, a lot of buddies around here that throw it. And there's guys that swear by 20 and there's guys that swear by 25 and, mm-hmm. and, you know, um, but there you go. He throws it on 20. So, um, yep. just, just, just on a side note. So I'm not going to mention any lakes. It's actually been two different lakes. And most people around here know which ones, and that's fine. But um, Alex, in the last three weeks, has caught three more teeners up here. Wow, I saw the video of the
0: 14 and a half he got;
1: That was a giant. And there was another one caught a week later that has been kept really quiet, and then another one caught just a few days ago from what I've heard. (laughs) So not that – that guy has probably caught – and he's one of the, you know, I mean, up until the, the Shasta event, everybody around here knew him. He's took our money for years, but
3: mm-hmm.
1: I, I, I mean, that's what put him on the map and what he did at Shasta. I mean, absolutely just, it's mind boggling. And to do it on camera, um, did
0: all of the Shasta guys, myself included, like we were not okay for a while after that, <laughs> Dude, you're like, <laughs> like, this is we not were all supposed to happen each here. other. Like. Like, really, really pondering what exactly it is we're doing, you know? But I have the utmost respect for Alex, dude. I mean, that, he, but the thing is, is he kind of, like, flies below the radar, but he's doing stuff that's so far and above and beyond and not seeking any credit for it in terms of his strategies and understanding a big fish. Yeah. Like, I'll be the one to say, it, dude, that guy is pages and books ahead of oh, a lot yeah. of guys who get credit for being incredible big bait fishermen. Alex is yeah. seriously, like, probably top, top three in my book for sure, and, uh. I and mean, most probably people ever, How do you prove it?
1: and and even, I mean, people got a good look at what he was doing at Shasta and that opened a lot of eyes, but what he truly does, I'm not saying that I know, I fished against him for <laughs> years, but it, it's, it, it's going to live and die with, with him and his partners. Cause they keep their mouth shut. Yep. They just don't talk. 100%, they don't dude. post pictures. I've, I've, fish. I've fished yeah.
0: against him quite a bit. I've stayed with him, um, before to mutual friend's house and gotten to learn some stuff. Mostly just by observing. And I'm telling you the processes that he's laying out is it's not what everyone else is doing. And he deserves a lot of respect for, oh, for yeah. making it work. Cause it's a, it's a whole new page of a different book.
1: No. And he's, he's got it around here. That guy, j- just from what I know of, and I don't know how many of them there are that I don't know of. I'm sure way more than I do know of that guy has literally caught more bass over 13 pounds then your average fisherman has caught over five pounds. I'm telling oh, you. sure, oh, like it, it's in, it's insane. Hundred percent. Well, he's doing it in tournaments too. <laughs> that's the stupid he's, part. He's got like five bass over thirteen pounds in tournaments. Mm-hmm. Like that's. I mean, how many people do you even know that it's caught a teener in their life? I've. You know, it, it, it's insane. It's insane. Yep. anyway. This is about you. It's not about Alex. I I just had to. Um it's all good dude. I love talking about I had about to give fishing, that guy you know? a quick pat on the back, you know, because it just like he doesn't want any credit. He he will never probably hear about his name being mentioned on this podcast. But that guy is, in my opinion, at least from our area, he is the best to ever play the game. Because there's a lot yeah. of guys that go out and catch a lot of big fish, right? There's not many guys that go out and do it in tournaments that have done it for as long as he has. I mean, he's been doing this for sixteen, seventeen years now, you know? Yep. And and he 100%. doesn't let up it's just insane but yeah that big bait that that that, that's a that's a whole nother world and to be able to incorporate that consistently semi-consistently in tournaments is is just insane joe what else
2: you got dude i got you know i i've got a big thank you to colby for coming on right before the holidays here you you wrapped up the year for us colby so um really appreciative we had a great show a lot of great information and we just love having guys like you on. Um, so I hope it was uh, hope it was fun for you. And and uh, yeah, guys, go check them out. Follow how, how do we, how do guys uh, follow you on the gram and um, talk about some of your sponsors if you if you'd like to do that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on. Had a blast. Always love talking fishing. I'll make time for you guys anytime that you decide to have me on in the future. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Colby Pearson Fishing. I'm gonna look into getting a YouTube channel started again. Um, for 2023 definitely trying to work on the networking side of things and i'd like to fish nationally someday so just trying to build as big a platform as i can and mm-hmm. give people some tips and be transparent and just go work hard all the time so that's kind of what i'm all about if you give me a follow that'd be fantastic uh, as far as sponsors go gotta give a shout out to living out marine uh, boat dealership up in washington so Phoenix some bass cats boats I've uh, got to think, Bass Cat Boat's going to be running a Puma STS for 2023, 28 years old. It's the first new thing I've ever bought in my life on that's a, Earth, not that's even an
2: tires. awesome boat. That's <laughs> awesome.
0: Oh, I'm so excited, dude. It's. I mean, like I said earlier in the show, I started out with a late 90s Skeeter, and then I had an old Nitro, and then I had a Triton, and then a used Ranger, and it's like, gosh, dude, just finally, first time in my life buying something new, so... <clears throat> if someone is not financially blessed i feel you don't give up keep working hard and it'll happen uh gotta thank wood brothers carpet and flooring uh pretty pretty solid place uh great people love going down there premier carpet and flooring dealer in northern california based out of chico and i got things to make universe and irod and uh shasta bass baits a whole bunch of am forgetting thank my family and uh yeah that's it thank you guys
2: and uh Thank if you. you if you if you haven't if you haven't got enough yet, uh Kobe's gonna be on uh Oliver's show, the Big Bass Dreams live uh cast what next a week from today, correct? Thir- next Thursday. Yeah, the I know 20- we're
0: filming at the 29th. I think it's a live stream, so November 29th. Catch me on the Big Bass Dreams podcast and we'll probably be talking more <clears throat> regional stuff, maybe Northwest and Maybe some swim bait stuff. So well, hopefully we, not too much of the same information and, uh, should be good. We didn't,
2: we didn't, we didn't scoop him. We've been trying to, me and Colby have been talking for weeks. And then when I saw that, I'm like, Oh shit. But yeah, we already had him set up, So that's the way it works. So sorry, sorry, Oliver. It's still great. Um, I mean, Oliver's definitely going to be going to be way more into the big bait stuff. And so if any of you guys are really into that, like definitely check it out.
1: Absolutely. And we will be, uh, We'll be following you this year. We'll be rooting for you, man. We you know, we want to see you go do well, and we'll be excited when you do. And yeah. We're sure you will. No pressure, but awesome. we're sure you will. Thanks, guys. I sure as heck appreciate it.
2: All right, buddy. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon.
0: All right. Sounds good. Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas to you. Later.
2: Dude, that was what a fantastic individual. Super solid. Dude, awesome guy. No, there. You know, there's just
1: guys. I don't know. I, I'm not take anything away from anybody, but there's guys we've had on here that are, you know, that are successful tournament anglers that that know their stuff. And then there's guys that that really get dialed in and and don't mind helping others. And and he's he's at the
2: top of that list. Yeah, there was some really really good stuff there. You know what? And honestly, there's him. I think. Mark Kobe's another name that comes to mind. And like you said, Phil, there there are these these type, I don't know what they're, I guess they're called type A personalities, like guys that are just like obsessive about their gear and exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. And they break it down to the physics of like every piece of their equipment and what it does as a system, mm-hmm. right? Because a reel does, it's a job and the rod does a job. The line does a job and the bait does a job. The hook does a job. Like there's all these things and you can just throw all that stuff together and go fishing and you can catch fish. But the way these guys think about it, they think about it as the, the sum of the parts, right? Putting everything together in the right mm-hmm. way to, to, um, what's the word I'm looking for, right? I need a they're word. Ma-
1: they're maximizing. Maxi- every opportunity.
2: They're maximizing their, yeah, their potential. And that's pretty cool. I love talking to guys like that. Because yep. I, because I, I always learn a bunch. Because I'm, I'm not like that, but I will break things down. But I'm still the same guy who will, who will leave uh, Alberto not for three trips. I'll do that. Oh, I got yeah, no problem, that, dude. I got no problem. That
1: thing's, that thing's, thing's got to be retied in halfway through every say, fishing you trip. Say,
2: you can say whatever you want. It's fine. Well,
1: that's what I've learned on YouTube over the years. Anyway. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, and the one thing I was going to ask you, what you, what, I mean. How often do you lose a just lose a fish? Like just lose a fish. How often do you lose a fish in a week? Do I hook one and lose it? How often do you lose a fish? Well, it, in a d- week? it depends. It depends on what you're I don't throwing. Care the what technique. I don't care how it happened. Whether you broke it off. Whether
1: I don't honestly fish that much anymore. I mean, I I truly I I don't fish that much anymore.
2: Every time I go out with you, you're fishing the whole damn time, and you're taking the front of the boat.
1: Yeah, and I and I continue and I will continue to do so every time we go fishing. Um, See, this is why this <laughs> is
2: why. <laughs> go out, go fishing, you know with them, everybody. Next next time we go fishing, you can have the front of the. I'm boat not. Right no, I flying. don't want the front of the boat. I'm going to
1: stand there with the remote
2: in my hand. No, and I, and did fish, I did that once. I'm going to
1: bark orders. I did that. I did
2: that once, and you just sat in the back and pouted and talked on the phone to your to you, at that time your fiance. Joel's in the front of the boat. I'm going to sit down here and say I'm relaxing, but really I just don't want to be in the back.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I was probably reeling a fish in at the time. Oh, Um, (laughs) No, no. I mean, me personally, if I'm out fishing, once I hook a fish, now granted when you're throwing topwater, treble hooks, everything changes, but when I'm throwing a single hooked bait, not to get arrogant, but when I hook a fish, now I'm not talking miss a fish, when you're spotted bass fishing, you're going to miss a decent amount of fish. It's just the way it is. But when I hook a fish and I know that hook is in them, I would say I'm going to land. I'm going to land 19 out of every 20 fish that I hook.
2: See, and I'm not. I, I am. <laughs> who did I talk to about this just recently? Like I am not. I'm not a cocky person. I have never been on this show. Oh, you're ever.
1: incredibly arrogant.
2: I no. But no, not just when. K- it, just but no, but not I'm when, when it comes to. Not when it comes to fishing. Like I will I'm be not. completely honest, <laughs> but I will be completely honest. I'm a total. I'm a total dick. But I'll be completely honest that I'm not the best fisherman out there. Like, but if I if I hook them, I feel pretty confident I'm, that fish is going to come in the boat. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why that is, but I I don't know why it seems like when I when I listen to some of these weigh-ins, it's like dude lost four. F-. Like how the fuck did you lose? F- well,
1: how'd you lose? Well, four but f- when you but- but Joel, when you listen to a lot of these weigh-ins, a lot of these guys, they're just so prideful. They they have to say that. I, I, I mean, they can't just be like, "Yeah, no, yeah, didn't work oh, today." oh well, I should have won it, but I, you know, nah, I missed that, missed those seventeen bites today. Hey, Sucks. I came in one day to a tournament weigh-in against John Myers, and John Myers beat me. I took second place, and I I I I, I missed him by like a quarter pound. And I told him at the, I, I didn't tell everybody else. I told him at the end of that tournament. When we were loading our boats up, I said, I said, I lost one that was about three that would have beat you. And he said, yeah, if my sister had balls, she'd be my brother. <laughs> and ever <laughs> since then, I have never once tried to say, hey, if, if, if when you go win a tournament, everybody else should say, great job. You, you beat us today. Those guys that go up there and say, well, you know, I, I mean, I, I really had this in the bag, but I think that's a chicken shit move. You're taking something away from the winner. And you're a sore loser. That's the way I look at it. I'm sorry if it hurts. That's the
2: hot take. It's the hot take. No, and I'm not saying I don't lose fish, but I'm just like, I'm pretty confident if I hook a fish and it's hooked well. Right. I've got the confidence I can get it next to the boat. But now, if I get it next to the boat, mess up, something goes wrong, then whatever. But... I just think it's really funny sometimes when you see guys like, and because what he said, he's like, I've only lost two this whole year. And I'm like, that's strange. Cause I've watched a couple of guys up on stage. Well. Let's talk about how they've lost. If I add them all up, they've lost like 17 fish in tournaments this year. Like how the hell does that happen? Do you, right. Maybe you need to, That's maybe you need to keep the barbs on the hook me. or something. That's where we, yeah. Quick, 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 quick
1: clamping that barb down, <laughs> down, but the barb down. We're not, we're not, we're not fishing for, uh,
2: what a fish is for stealing? salmon here. in the yeah, river yeah. here
1: come on what do you yeah no but again it, it just you know it it, it comes that there's there's so there's so much to it there's there's so much into getting the hook into the fish and then what in, and then what you do when you get a hook into the fish and that all depends on what on what hook you have and what line you have what rod you have you know um i mean if you hook a fish on on a, a number three finesse hook with eight pound test or six pound test, you know, that's five pounds. Well, that fish might take you 90 seconds to land. it. It might take you 120 seconds to land it. If it's a really strong one to where that same fish, if it's on a, you know, a jig with a heavy hook and you got 15, 17 pound test, that fish should take you 15 to 20 seconds to land, right? It, it all depends on the situation. It all depends on, on the gear you're catching it on. And that as far as learning how to fight a fish, that's something that just happens over time. That happens when you fish with people that know how to do it. You go out, you watch them, they teach you, they coach you that, you know, it's, it's all a learning process.
2: I think the last fish that like broke my heart that I, that I lost that was actually hooked. Well, Was
1: the striper that that,
2: dude, you knew exactly what the fuck I was gonna say. Sorry, excuse me. But what
1: but what did she (laughs) he did it? (laughs) There it is. Great white buffalo. Um no, but well, because but I was because no, I because I was your, messing around was with my drag. Fault.
2: Yeah, exactly. It was right. my fault. It was my fault. Like if I wasn't what, messing around with the drag, it would have been fine. And what did that. I keep telling you? I said push the button, push the button, push the button, and you're reaching over. You're trying to. Oh, Ryan's got to go tell everybody how he's got here. Here comes the guy, no, big, big guy, no, man, going to tell but, everybody how. Like, but oh, here's this the deal: is what you did wrong.
1: <laughs> but you'll never make that mistake again, will you? I will not. No. No, because it's a learning process. Now, some people would just say, "Oh, I, I lost him," and 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 not. Evaluate why they well, lost I'll own it. up
2: that I lost it now the the thing is though is if every if all my stuff is set up correctly and I hooked mm-hmm. that fish i there's no there really is sh- sh- there shouldn't be any losing of that fish N- no unless but, it's a big bait and they they have leverage and they can throw it right? right
1: but one thing that I want to talk about right there that we talked about that day is yes, you have your drag set up for a reason now. Should you have had your drag? It was a glide bait
2: though. It was a glide bait. It was a lot easier for them to throw it. Yes. Yes. I know. I made the mistake of. But I want to explain what happened. Just go ahead and explain it. To to take your
1: experience as a learning opportunity for everyone else out
2: there. Learn everybody.
1: Joel had his drag cranked down like he was frog fishing cranked down, which that's, that's fine. When he went to adjust it, his hand kind of fumbled on the reel he was trying to get it backed off. He would turn it the wrong way at first because it was a big one, and he was excited.
2: No, that's not what happened. One th- okay. Well. <laughs>
1: okay. Well,
2: it was, way. it was. It was. It was. It was. It was too. It was too. Well, you're right. It was too tight. <laughs> oh, you're right. But I didn't. It's- I didn't. I didn't put it the wrong way. I I went too light with it, and then I tried to get it back.
1: Okay, and that's so, what happened. The point I'm trying to make is. It's great to have a drag set correctly. Learn how to use your drag. That's fine. But also, you watch any pro, well, most pros on tour, most of them, they don't use a drag on their baitcaster. They learn to push the button. It is called thumbing a fish. When you learn to thumb a fish, or if you're using a spinning rod, you learn to back reel. I've talked about this before on this podcast. When you learn to do those two things with a baitcaster, learn to thumb them. Press the button when you need to. Let them take line when they need to. You you are in... Total control of that fish. Your drag no longer plays a factor. You can't blame your drag because you have complete control over when that fish takes line and when it doesn't. So it, it all I'm saying is if you knew how to thumb a fish when that happened, that fish never would have broke you off, even though your drag wasn't set correctly. Correct?
2: Yes. Yes. And I okay. and, 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 That's and, all and I'm I have I have I have thumbed fish before. I thought in that moment that I had the time. I mean, do we how many did we catch that day? To be honest, I wasn't that worried well, about. It. And I was fish. like, oh, I was like, I'm going to go ahead and just adjust this. It's fine. It, I, I wasn't that worried about it. And right. to be honest, it happened for a reason. I'm kind of glad I didn't catch that fish for for several reasons. <laughs> <Here we go. laughs> you Sorry. know, here we go. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but I, I, I do. Um, so I'm I'm glad I'm glad that it happened. But um, but yeah, no, it was I. I it, it wasn't a huge deal. But like you said. Yes, you can thumb. You can just put it down there, thumb that fish. It's fishing.
1: very important to learn it's, how to do that. Yeah. Mark my words. Well, I mean,
2: and also it has to be automatic. You have to think about that in a moment.
1: Right, that's something you practice. Yeah. You, it's When you hook, it, like when you're throwing a jerkbait and you're catching a, you know, 40 spotted bass in a day in the late springtime and the bite's on fire, learn to do that. When you're out this time of year drop shotting and you're catching a bunch of spotted bass, learn if you have a spinning reel that, that has a lever to flip over to back reel. Okay. If, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go to YouTube search back reeling on a bass. A lot of them don't Bullard. even come
2: with that, that anymore.
1: They don't all of mine do because I make sure of it because it's very important to have. I, I teach people this. If you watch um, yeah. the videos of Cody Meyer up at Bullard's bar, catching seven, eight, nine pounds spotted bass. He's like the drag helps, but I also back reel. I have total control over that fish. Matt Allen, Tim Little, they've done a video on the same thing. Yeah, um learn to back reel, learn to thumb a fish. It just, it, it's just one more tool you have in your tool belt to put these fish in the boat, especially when you hook a big one. That's the whole deal. Mm-hmm. Like we all fish a lot of hours to finally get that one big bite, and when we get it, we don't want to lose it. And that's just two more tools that are going to help you put those fish in the boat. It's that simple.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. And I could edit that out, but I'm going to let Ryan. Um, school me and everyone can hear about it no i'm sorry i'm not meaning to dude. uh, i'm I'm not meaning to school school you here i'm kidding kidding with you you're fine okay thank you felt bad there for a second no we're okay i didn't really feel that bad but i know you didn't feel bad i don't feel bad well that was fun make mistakes and learn from them hey it's christmas time everybody here comes santa claus here comes santa claus right right down down santa Santa claus Lane. lane I don't know the rest of it, but I hope you all do. Um, Ryan Cook, what do you want to leave him with? Uh, We'll be back. We'll be back probably towards the end of the first week of January. We actually weren't even supposed to do one this week. We were going to finish off last week, but couldn't leave you guys hanging. So, actually, two this week one for the Patreon peoples and one here. So,
1: guys, enjoy your Christmas. Remember the real reason for the season. Don't Mm -hmm. get too caught up on the gifts. Enjoy your family. Um, you know, just, just enjoy, just, you know, thank, thank God for everything that you have in your life and, uh, and give your loved ones a hug and appreciate them.
2: Absolutely. That's what I'm going to do. I get it. My mom coming into town. gonna do it at my, I, I got blessed enough to do Thanksgiving and Christmas at my house this year to get to have people over and it's been great. So I'm excited. I hope you guys all have a great one. Um, thanks for everything this year. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting, following on the Instagram. You know we're 10 away from 2,000 on Instagram. So if you, if if the one thing you guys could do to give us a a, a Christmas present, share this. Ask some people to follow. If we hit 2,000 by the end of the year, uh, we hit another goal. So we've already hit our goal for the amount of downloads and listens we had this year. Uh, we hit that in early December. Um, but if, uh, if we hit that, that we didn't make a huge deal about the whole gram thing, but if, if you want to give us a gift, have some people follow us. We need 10 people. And then, uh, we're at 2000, which means we're, we made it, I guess, to 2000. <laughs> anyway.
1: If, if we don't hit 3000 by 2024, we're going to quit this. So it's on yeah, you guys. Yeah.
2: It really is. It really is all up to you guys.
1: <laughs> all right. Awesome. Ryan cook. I love you, brother. Merry Christmas. Love you, brother. See you guys. We'll see, we'll, we'll, we'll see everybody in 2023. That's right. Do not touch it! I was at about six there. You don't want to see me go to ten.